This is Studio Insights, a Provost Studio podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this live roundtable discussion today brought to you by Provost Studio. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Now, today we're going to hear from four people who all played different but pivotal roles in the creation of the new Fox 5 DC studios. So this is going to be a really fun opportunity to learn about the process for collaborating and working together to create a new state-of-the-art studio. We'll hear about some of the challenges, some of the opportunities, some of the things that each of these guys learned, and how their roles all fit together to help bring this to life. And so uh, let's meet our panel of experts today. Joining us first and foremost is Peter Prevost, the president and director of design at Prevost Studio. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's introduce the rest of the uh, the cast of characters here on the show today. Next, we have Ben Jacobson. He's a project manager and top dog at Mystic Scenic Studios. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for hosting us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thrilled to have you. Next, we have Tony Siniscalco. He is the systems designer and project manager, senior systems designer and project manager at the Lighting Design Group. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Very, very good. And finally, last but not least, we have Jim Landy, the founder of AV Design Services, LLC. Jim, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having us. Absolutely. So let's start off here, guys. I would love to hear from each of you just to, to learn a little bit more about your company and, uh, and the role that you are in with your particular company. So Ben, let's start off with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your role, and, uh, and what you do at, at Mystic Scenic Studios. Sure. So uh, I'm a project manager, as you mentioned, for Mystic. Uh, we've been in the business for about 30 years uh, just outside of Boston. Uh, doing custom design and fabrication for any uh, any any number of projects. Uh, started off more in the you know theatrical world, uh, corporate events, trade shows. Um, but for the past 15 years or so, we've been getting uh, more and more heavily into broadcast, where it's now it's the majority of what we do. So I uh, I started off as a, a carpenter on the shop floor, worked my way up, um, started drawing, working on the CNC equipment, and now um, project managing. So we. Get to take Peter's brilliant designs and um, you know take them from a uh, from a concept from sketches and and help turn them into a reality. Everything from figuring out materials to how we break it down to fit it in a truck, make sure it fits in the elevator to reassemble it. Um, and over the past several years, you know, more and more uh, relying more and more heavily on uh, LED lighting in um, within the uh, the the studio scenery. So uh, we do a lot of a lot of that as well. A lot of Woodwork, metalwork, carpentry, um, and then the electrical. Excellent stuff. So Peter, Ben mentioned you there. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do at Provost Studio, what it means to be a director of design, and how you guys fit into the overall picture of how a project like this all comes together. Yeah, sure. I'll make it brief. We basically bring the team together. Yes, we establish the vision. Yes, we're officially responsible for executing the project from soup to nuts. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I like to think of us as the the orchestrator of it all in terms of bringing the right people on for the right job. So uh, my role at uh, as a director of design for Provost Studio, uh, responsible for obviously the, the quality and the trajectory of the design, but then also managing client expectations and um, you know getting the team together, the right the right team together for the. For the for the project, excellent stuff. So, Tony, tell us a little bit about the the lighting design group then, and how you fit into this overall project. The lighting design group is a is a conglomeration of of lighting designers. Uh, all of us have been together for a, a long time. I've been part of LDG for eight years. Um, 
pr primarily we like television studios, newscast studios primarily. Um, and that goes back uh, uh, at least, I think, to 92 uh, in that time frame. Um, the division that I'm a part of is the infrastructure division. Uh, we call it the systems division. Uh, we're in charge of building new production spaces, they, whether they be television studios, podcast studios, webcast studios. We also do a bit of architectural design and, and uh, corporate studios, so corporate multipurpose rooms, conference rooms, etc. And then uh, in the end, is our goal is to hand it off to our lighting designers, our production department, to light television shows, to light news shows. Um, so we sort of work hand in hand with our production department. In terms of what we're doing on, on projects like this, it's, it's my job to design the broadcast lighting infrastructure in terms of um, data distribution, power distribution, and uh, support, whether it be lighting pipe grids or lighting, lighting pipe positions. Uh, Unistrup positions, whatever may be necessary, depending on each individual project. And then to sit through hours and hours of construction meetings over one or two years in order to make sure that it's uh, implemented correctly uh, and, and fight all those battles, uh, whether they be with uh, architects, engineers, contractors, etc., to make sure that the studio has what it needs uh, to, to, to light it properly. Excellent stuff. And Jim, wrap us up and tell us a little bit more about yourself and also AV Design Services and the the different services that you provide and uh, and what you did on this project. Uh, AV Design Services, we provide and specialize in um, display technologies. So on the set, there may be you know there may be flat panels, there may be lots of LED walls, there may be um, uh, you know, the displays on the front of desk, uh, you know, any number of different things. Our, our job specifically when we get involved in something like this is we'll, you know, we'll get a set of plans from someone like Peter and then we will uh, um, look everything over and basically we'll start value engineering from day one. But the most important task in there is to make certain that Peter's vision and what he's discussing with the client it can become a reality within you know within a viable price range, right? So sometimes there's a lot of technology on a set to start with, and then it might dwindle down to something that's more reasonable as far as prices are concerned. But what's important is that we have to ensure that what's going on in the control room can pass all the way through from control onto the set and there are a means and method to which everything can flow to the different display systems on the set. Um, that's critical mass as far as we're concerned. Uh, a lot of times uh, as technology changes and it's always changing, um, you know, every time we start a new project, we're tasked with, uh, uh, you know, new demands to make sure that uh, um, the, you know the, the, the quality of the display and the technology and the signals and the content and the and the content creation and the workflow associated with all of that is realized by the client and realized by um, the different designers. That's where it comes to working with Tony for lighting 
we want to make sure that our that Tony's lighting isn't interfering with the quality of our displays. And that's where Tony comes in and he's great at it because he, you know, we're all used to doing this. We do this for yeah. a living. Right. And uh, the same thing with uh, with Ben. Uh, you know, Ben is responsible for basically fabricating everything on the set below the grid and sometimes even up into the grid where we have um, uh, we have to assure that, uh, you know, everything's uh, going to be safe and everything's going to be hung square even and, and, and done properly so that uh, we don't have any issues. I'm sure you've seen some nasty uh, uh, videos online of display walls falling down and things of that nature. Well, it's all important that it all comes together and we all have to work together to make sure that everything comes together in a cohesive way. So, Peter, kind of being at the hub of this wheel for a project like this, how important is it to choose the right people for a project, the right people for a job? You know, we, we're talking to these three guys here today, but, but why is it important to choose people that you trust and that uh, you know that you can work with in, in this type of a situation on this type of a project? Yeah, I, I think um, probably the most important thing, the mo most important reason is actually the unknown, to be honest. I think we like to partner with um, obviously people that we feel like, you know, know their stuff and are experts in their field. But I think it's more, you know, in conjunction with that is just as much about being able to think on your feet, think critically, be part of the team and obviously have the, the client come first and all that. And, you know, broadcast is fast. It, it happens really fast. And I think that our feeling is that, yes, we need to pick the right partner that can deliver um, the product. But at the end of the day, it's also about the process of how we work, which is super important to us. And, you know, by default, it, it kind of ends up to be a, a benefit and I think um, I don't know of I don't want to say a selling point but it's it's the way we work right the mode of operation yeah I like to say it's the four legs that hold up this stool right yeah. so you have design you have lighting you have fabrication and you have tech yeah yep and I think the other thing that um, aside from the thinking on your feet and the unknown is we're starting to be, um, you know, as, as we do more and more design build projects, which is probably 90% of what we're doing these days, because I'm trained as an architect um, and my, my background um, relative to building systems, we're, we're being brought in earlier and earlier in projects. And so all of the guys that are sitting around the table here all know how to put together a project from, from the very beginning, from scratch. Right. So mm -hmm. so knowing and understanding and anticipating both what's needed on an infrastructure level that's like behind the camera, but then also, um, you know, what's needed in front of the camera. And, you know, I, I think that it's not just about being at the top of your game, but to be able to, to work uh, collaboratively is is super important and be flexible and be flexible. <laughs> yeah. One of, the, one of the great things that I think uh, training-wise that brought me into this field is I made the transition from touring theater to uh, permanent infrastructure and uh, being able to take a show on the road and being in 300 different venues and seeing that, you know, what works in one venue doesn't work in another and having to come up with in, in a very short period of time a new way or a new approach to make the same effect uh, and from a different point of view or a different approach 
um, makes you think on your feet very quickly. And um, taking a production job, uh, which is you know any any broadcast is a production job, but putting it into a construction environment where you're where you have to design the studio and that you're going to hold the show um, makes for a challenging approach because construction moves slowly, production moves quickly, and uh, someone has to stand on that wall and lead construction in the right direction. Um, yeah. and make and fight the battles that you know that hold the the four walls of the studio uh, to the size that it needs to be to fit the scenery, to fit the, to fit the vision, um, etc. And so I'm constantly uh, looking not just at what the lighting infrastructure is, but what's the HVAC infrastructure? What's the um, where are the sprinkler pipes? Where, how are they run? How is the conduit run? It can't be run, you know wherever wherever contractors may feel it needs to be so we're constantly looking at things in bim models and cad drawings and trying to make sure that everything is lined up the way it ought to be so that we can maintain our grid height which allows us to maintain the scenic height i think a perfect example and i'll 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 toot tony's horn here for a second uh so what's interesting is you know on a construction site yes there's fabrication drawings yes there's construction drawings but things happen right and so as an example with the fox job you know things uh building systems uh, it's not a, a, install installing these things is not an exact science and so you know when you go to site and things are a little bit differently different than anticipated you know somebody in tony's position could say no 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 that's not the way the drawings are that's not what we talked about uh let's do it this way but i think that talking about the flexibility that we were talking about before, you know, a guy like Tony and LDG has the ability to say, okay, yes, we thought about it doing this way, but you know, the on-site um, expectation or the on-site situation is something different. Let's creatively think about how we can still meet, yes, the budget, yes, the schedule, yes, the parameters of the project, but also, um, you know, adapt. And that's, that's super, again, super important. Um, you know, all three of these gents um, are able to do that. So, Ben, you've been yeah. uh, suspiciously quiet, and I'd love to hear a little bit more from you uh, over there. Uh, just to just to learn a little bit more about the the collaboration that goes on and how you know the, everyone works together in this type of a setting, and how maybe the challenges that that you come up against in a project are either made better or worse depending on the the level of collaboration and the level of communication amongst the team, like like uh, the rest of you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, collaboration is key. And as, as Tony was saying, it starts in those design drawings and what the space allows and how big the room is. And as we all know, best laid plans, you know, don't always work out. And during the installation, you may find out that, you know, well, the wall should have been here, but such and such happened. And, you know, you lose six inches of space on this side. And then the sprinkler pipe that was supposed to run here couldn't that way. So it had to drop down. And what are those cascading effects and how do they how do they affect us all? Um, once we're past that and we know what we're doing and where it's going, um, Jim mentioned earlier, you know, like the value engineering, there's all sorts of different options for monitors and video tiles. And, you know, depending on what's available and what's in the budget, um, you know, Peter will lay out, you know, what this wall, um, you know, wants to be, you know, uh, aesthetically how it should look. And then it's up to us to pick the right, you know, materials and, and say, well, the video tile comes in a fixed size. So it's actually going to be this big. We need this much clearance. And then, 
you know, how do we make sure that when we build the wall and leave a hole for Jim to mount the video into that, that we know it all works. So there's a lot of, a lot of communications. There's, there's weekly project calls uh, that everybody's on. And then we, you know, and then several offline discussions um, going then with, with lighting, everything, everything that we're building, you know, we want it to be seen. We want it to look great and it can't happen without, um, without great lighting design. You gotta, you gotta light it up. You gotta see it. And we need them to take control and, operate the the lighting we're putting into the set so what what kind of fixtures are we using what kind of tape how are we how are we powering it um led led tape while it's low voltage takes a lot of power the power supplies add up quickly um adds up to lots of circuits we got to get power distribution uh down down to where we want to place our our dimmers and and then have tony take control of them and address them so that it's something meaningful that the lighting board can take over and 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 operate properly so it's a lot of it's a lot of work and it's also uh it's pretty rewarding when you get to see it all come together and you know after being on a project for a year and overcoming challenge after challenge to see to see it go go live on air and um it's pretty it's a pretty special thing and we need to we also need to collaborate very early on because we need to figure out what kind of power and how much power scenic lighting is going to require and where they're going to need data drops and we want to make sure that in our infrastructure design that they're there and the other thing is we work well enough together that we look out for each other. So if I'm on site and I see something that's going to affect Ben's dimensions, I let him know when he's on site. And when he sees something on site when I'm not there uh, that might affect our lighting positions, he'll let me know. And uh, I think that kind of uh, coordination is, is key. But also sequencing is key because we know that scenic has to go in before our lighting fixtures are hung. But we may have to do a pre-cable in order to get around scenic or get cables in position before scenic goes in so we work together and how best to sequence the installation uh as construction is phasing itself out and production is ramping up and i think another important part is not just you know we're, we're designing for this current set but we also want to design for future expansion right so Absolutely. just because you don't think you're going to do anything over there you know tony's oftentimes saying well we're going to put stuff there anyway and you know it's it's there if we need it in the future so uh, you know, trying to look ahead for the client and 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 not block that you know um, that opportunity because there are there are big scenic walls that block access to the studio walls, but you know that we know that there's there's power drops, there's infrastructure, uh, there's a way to get there if we need to. So when they come up, you know, we've been using the studio for a few months and now we think we'd like to do X Y Z, we're able to uh, jump into that for them. One of the things that we haven't mentioned yet, I know we're all talking about how we collaborate, but. I have to be honest, I mean, all of us have been doing this enough that like we we can operate the way we operate, but if we don't have the right client on board that either A expects it and B appreciates and supports us when that unknown happens, it's it's just not as successful of a of a project. And you know, I have to say that, you know, I've been now we're in our ninth year um, as a practice, and I've been, you know, happy to say that um, we've we've had some really great clients, and uh, I I I have to say that you know the the job that we just finished here with with uh, the team in DC for Fox has been exceptional. So anyway, I just want to throw that in. It it, it does take for a successful project not just the, the broadcast team right it also takes the architectural engineering team but most importantly it's you got to have the right client for the for the process that's true well we all understand that broadcast is mission critical right yeah the show has to go chance. on if it's horrible 
<laughs> you're out of work. You're going to hear about it. <laughs> so it's got to be the best you can make it or yep. you're not going to get any more work. Absolutely. So. And going back on to what Ben was saying about future-proofing, we, we do our, our studio design as if it's a four-wall black box. And everything that comes in and out over the next 40 years, we have to prepare for in the beginning. So, uh, you know, one of the, my favorite sayings that clients have is, oh, we'll never shoot in that direction. And we all know that they're going to shoot in that direction eventually. <laughs> yeah. So I have to make sure that there's power and data available there when they end up shooting where they didn't think they were going to shoot. Because while, they, while we've done this multiple times, uh, multiple studios over the last, I, I can't even count them how many times. And I've worked with Ben on a number of jobs. I've worked with Jim on a number of jobs. worked with Peter on a number of jobs. A client will only build a new studio once, maybe twice in their career. So we bring the collective experience of multiple, multiple projects uh, together. We do this for a living, right? We do yeah, this every absolutely. day. Right. So to, to that end then, um, Tony, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll start with you with this question, but I'd love to hear uh, from yeah. everybody on this. When it comes to uh, clients and working with clients and, uh, and maybe what they know or what they don't know heading into a project like this, what's something maybe that, that clients should know heading into this that, that might not be common knowledge, but you'd like for them to at least have thought through on a certain level that maybe most clients just, uh, it's not readily available information, but you can maybe tell them, hey, in the future, if you're thinking of adding a new studio, here are some things you should think through on the front end. Take your schedule and add about 10% more days to it for what ifs, because there's going to be what ifs. And my favorite analogy is that you have to break some eggs to make an omelet. And building a new studio is sort of an organic experience in that you've got so many moving pieces that have to all come together correctly. And um, so you have to have your architect with his vision for the space itself. And then you have the scenic designer with his space, with his vision for what the scenic sh uh, shot is, what's seen on camera. And then you have the engineers who are trying to get their power, data, heat, fire alarms, you know, everything that needs to be in, on that side. And HVAC, of course, which has the biggest infrastructure of anybody, but just pushes air, um, is always in the way. But we have to we have to work with all of these things, and all of them have their own issues. And as we found out, even a brand new building going up has its own issues that were, may not have been anticipated on our end. But you know, there are things that we have to throw in there and, and account for. Um, you know, whether you know, can the can the floor hold the weight of of the scenic scenic design? Can the slab above hold the weight of the broadcast lighting grid and our our fixtures, as well as all the scenic technology that's going to be hung as well? Um, and what are those limits, and and how can we best um, maximize the usefulness of that studio and the life of that studio, uh, given the current environments that we're given? from the construction and, and architectural side of it things. So there's no project ever goes 100% as originally envisioned. And so setting expectations with the client is, is clear is, is also critical. Um, and I sort of, my bring to the, to the client is I'm gonna set their expectations so that, look, is that we're gonna do our best to get this and you will hit your on-air date because we all know that the on-air date is critical. Um, and it's just going to be a bumpy road and we're going to take you through it and trust us that, that, that we know how to get there. And um, we will always be open and honest about what, what issues we account, uh, what we 
I encounter. But even when I encounter an issue, my goal before getting to the client is not only do I want to present them with what the issue is, but what the solution is. And I think everybody on this call has a solution in mind um, when they when they see issues. And if we don't, we work together to find the, the what works best um, for all of us in terms of maintaining the vision for what is going to eventually be seen on camera and put out to the public. Anybody else want to follow up on, uh, on Tony's comments just on things that, that you would like um, potential customers, consumers to be aware of uh, ahead of projects? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Jim nailed it earlier when he said that, you know, um, if, if it comes out poorly, it reflects poorly on all of us, right? So we're, we're in it with you. We want it to be as great as it can be. It's, it's we're, we're, you know, our, you know, shoulder to shoulder with you here that um, we, we, we absolutely want it to turn out the best. We want to do everything we can um, to, to keep it on your budget. And, and, and as Tony said, you know, it's, uh, it's offering up the creative solutions. A lot of times there's something that comes up. There's a lot of different ways to skin that cat. So, you know, we'll get together and we could do this, we could do this and we all, able to you know offer the pros and cons and and come to a um come to a solution but yeah it's it's interesting and you know like in this this fox project there's this ginormous you know like office building that you're building and we're putting a two-level studio in the middle and you know we can't have you know structural beams and columns throughout so it's a really large open span and a lot of a lot of things for the engineers the building engineers to consider um and how you're framing the floor below as well as the floor above for for the loads that we, uh, you know, need to put in there. It's not common in, in, in a lot of, you know, anywhere else in that building, you're not looking to drive a, a two person scissor lift around, uh, you know, a 19 foot scissor lift around the floor space. So that's, that's something that we bring up that, you know, we need to, we need to be able to do. And, and here's why. And there, I was the understanding about that. And it's, it's figuring out how, how we can make that happen. Not only with our team, but with everybody else who's working in the uh, project. Guys, you, you obviously have a lot of uh, experience in this field, and we've talked a lot about the, the various projects that you've done over the years, and obviously today we're, we're kind of focusing in on the fact that, that you all work together on the Fox 5 DC studios, but what are some of maybe the biggest lessons that you've learned throughout your career? Maybe this kind of dovetails into what your previous answer was, but Tony, anything that, that stands out to you as being lessons learned that you now apply to future projects? I think I learned a lesson on almost every project that I apply going to the future. Hmm. Um, one thing that I came in very early when I started doing studios uh, with Lighting Design Group eight years ago is I never realized how much that you know HVAC affects a studio. Uh, and there's lots of ways to provide air into a studio. Um, and a lot of times uh, the initial design might be something that the, that the engineers are looking at it more of like a corporate office space where they have to have diffusers, you know, every so many square feet and, and you know, downturns and stuff like that. And it's sort of, they may not do studios for a living, but we do. So I have to start talking to them about what's the best way for this space, for this studio um, to have air flow in and out. Um, on this past project, I've now learned that I need to, uh, also delve into the world of uh, structural slabs and floating slabs and, and make sure that they're, you know, what are they rated to hold? What are they rated um, in terms of what the building is? How were they designed? Were they designed? Um, and, uh, and and look out for that. But uh, there's there's nothing that's in a studio that I am not concerned with from wall design, uh, where the partitions are, uh, slabs, uh, steel beams, infrastructure beams, 
uh, everything in some way or another affects the life of that studio. And it sort of falls on us as having the most experience in terms of building new studios and what the studio requires to sort of lead the discussion, whether it be with architects and engineers or with um, scenic team uh, of what can be achieved. Yeah, and even in even alongside with the slab design on the floor, you know, um, there's been a whole other world of uh, flatness and levelness, which are two very different things that you know uh, clients don't always get a hold of, but they're they're very important to what we do. Um, and you know, there's some pretty pretty tight um, specifications that we look to hold in terms of uh, uh, floor finishes, so that it's as good as it can be for uh, for many reasons. So we learn learn a lot about that, as Tony said, with the HVAC. Um, how you do it. Also, uh, that air makes a lot of noise. So, you know, um, if you're trying to, you know, cheat your diffusers down and put them against the wall and just run them at a higher speed, like that's not always the right answer. There's, there's a couple of ways to go around things. And there's, there's some experiences that we have that we can, you know, offer up and say, Oh, if you do this, you have to watch out for that. And if you do this, you have to do that. Sprinkler designs, another one, um, keeping the space, uh, uh, safe, you know, uh, meeting, meeting codes. Um, and then we're putting in scenery, which can often obstruct things. So we're working with the, um, contractors from an earlier phase, say how, how, how can you still do what you need to do and keep it safe for us and, and aesthetically pleasing? We know we're going to have to drop sprinklers through some scenery in places and designing the, uh, the flush covers to kind of blend in with the scenery. But, um, that also turns into, we've learned a lot. You have to have sprinkler coverage both above and below the set. And that oftentimes, uh, increases the overall volume of the system and the sprinklers may have to be a lot larger than, than you would ordinarily think. That's really interesting. And I'm curious, just Ben, from your perspective, uh, how important is the person that's in the role uh, that, that Peter Prevost was, was playing on this particular, um, this particular project? How important is having a good rapport with that person who's kind of at the hub of everything? Um, how important is that for your job and for the overall success of a project, just in your experience? Yeah, it, it's absolutely critical because you know there's there's a lot of a lot of moving parts and and we we need to funnel those through you know kind of one point person and just to be able to have kind of a chain of command and 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 follow through on stuff. So um, you know Peter Peter's got a tough job because he's balancing all of our needs, but also then the architect and you know he's he's kind of in in between us all and uh, kind of negotiating the best of both worlds and. Peter offers a unique take on that being a uh, an, an architect, so he knows a lot more about what's going into the the building side of things than you know than than other you know designers might. Um, but it's absolutely critical, and and he's doing it totally on behalf of the uh, of the client, right? So it's with their best interests in mind. It's I know they want to do this, and I know this is why we want to do this, and this is why, and then we have to you know come to that consensus of what which path to follow and how to how to move on. Um, but it, it ties into that and then communicating to us, to lighting, to video, but also to the other uh, trades. And sometimes sometimes that's hard because, you know, the, the contractors, they're not working for us. They're not working for Peter. So to go in there and say that we want to do something, you know, like, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's got to get, you know, it's got to go down the proper paths. And, and Peter's got those contacts and those relationships to, uh, to make sure it happens. Tony, any follow yeah. up on, uh, on Ben's comments? No, absolutely. I mean, Peter sets the tone. He sets the vision that we're all trying to achieve. And um, it's up to us to help realize that 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 vision. And uh, and a lot of times, you know, he's he's brought us to the table to to these projects. And um, 
and uh, and and we've have a great working relationship with Peter, um, and uh, it's it's a valuable one. And it, it, on our side, I know that um, I sort of walk the line between construction and production in that my job is more of the permanent infrastructure and, and the how how we're going to light the studio, but not the actual lighting of the studio. So Peter also uh, coordinates on our team with our lighting designer. Uh, you know on on. And he's worked with a number of lighting designers on at LDG on various projects. Um, and on this project, there's the there's a point in in the production phase or the construction phase where we need to start bringing in our our production lighting designer. Uh, and that initially uh, happens very early in the project, much earlier than most people realize. Sometimes a year, year and a half uh, from the actual on air hang and focus. Uh, you know. Uh, in order for the lighting team, uh, for my lighting team, to sit down with Peter and say, look, these are the shots that Peter's envisioning. Um, do they work? Do they not work? Um, uh, and how we're going to like those shots. And then, so taking the knowledge that my lighting designer is, has passed on to me, I can help uh, finalize my systems design and the infrastructure. And then that LD will sort of fade away for a little bit while we actually build the space. But before we go back into that space and as construction is wrapping up, um, it's time for our lighting designer to sit down with Peter and with the client and and realize those shots and, and have the discussion about how they're going to light, what's the color temperature, which goes back to Jim Landy's, uh, you know, coordinating with Jim Landy on the technology, what color temperature works best with the video, what color temperature does the client uh, expect to shoot in. Um, and they start having those co those conversations, I'd say probably three months out before we even hang and focus on, on, on air. And sometimes uh, it, we're still a construction site happening. But, you know, uh, one thing that I've noticed over the over the over my my 20 years of doing infrastructure is that the the construction turnover and the client turnover dates have sort of crept together. Um, there's no longer that that six month period after construction where we can go in and then build our scenery and then install our technology and do our, our integration. Those two dates have, have overlapped more than than Ben and I would ever have <laughs> thought possible and have had to deal with. And sometimes you we're hanging technology in 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 studio spaces that um, aren't really 100% ready or not really uh, clean spaces as we would hope that they would be. But you know, in the end, it, it's 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 getting that vision on, on, on camera. And, uh, it's a collaboration that, uh, I'm happy to work with Peter on, and I'm happy to work with Ben and, and the rest of this team on. Excellent stuff. Well, Tony and Ben, guys, thank you so much for, for joining us here for this conversation today, sharing a little no bit problem. more about your particular roles in this project and uh, how you all work together and collaborate to make something like this come to life. It, it's been a real pleasure. Ben Jacobson and Tony Siniscalco. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here today. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank no you. Problem. Thanks. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning in. We hope you found it informative and you learned a lot just about the process for creating a studio like these guys did for the Fox 5 DC studios. And so we appreciate all of you joining us here today. Stay tuned for more content coming to you very soon from Provost Studio. But for this one, thank you again to all of my guests and thank you out there for joining us. I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for being here.